our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. Today's Monday, which means we're bringing you Money Confessions, a weekly series where you tell us your deepest, darkest money secret or hot takes. You're joined today by Sim and Sonia, two best friends who have a lot to say. Let's get into it. Hey, Sonia. Hi. I am really excited for this week's episode. I'm going to jump right into it and I want to know what you think because I think you'll actually, I think you'll enjoy this one. Hi, Sim and Sonia. I learned about Girls That Invest through your collab with The Financial Diet, and I have followed the podcast ever since. I find it enjoyable to listen to your money confessions. Oh, thank you. My confession is that my family don't trust banks, so they store their money in my personal account. This bothers me because I feel like they could grow their money elsewhere. They're retired. I'm a single first-generation kid, and being immigrants is probably the main reason why they mistrust banks. This is fine as I'm still single, but I worry about when I get married and start joining finances with a partner and in worst case scenarios if I get divorced. I'm anxious about having my parents' money taken away in the event of a divorce. Please help. Sincerely, a confused girl. See, the reason why I think this is interesting is because Sonia, I don't want to say you have a distrust to large institutions, but I feel like... I don't. But like sometimes you like you don't keep your location on and when you need to use an uber you'll like go into your location settings and like like you'll never have the location settings on at all times are you equating that i worry about my data privacy to me not trusting banks all of my money (laughs) is in banks (laughs) two one in canada like i have a few different accounts with like Oh, I don't know why I'm saying this, but CIBC and then ANZ. Like, you know, I take it back. That's actually a very valid point. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have any cash, <laughs> like zero cash on hand. We well, just have mistrust. That's all I can say. In the world, sure. Guys, I could harp on about data security and privacy and safety. Sim just doesn't get it. I won't learn. She saves all her passwords. Uses the same, like, I, I can't, okay. But that's not what the issue we're talking about here. The issue is how do you deal with, like, the situation? Well, firstly, can we just quickly chat about, you know, like, immigrant children having their parents rely on them so much for things like this? Because this isn't uncommon. Like, to someone, this might be, like, really weird, but I know a lot of people can relate to this. I don't know a single person that could relate to this. I know, like, 10. Really? Maybe South Indians are just more... <laughs> 
system to like <laughs> institutions. I can't tell you one family member that has had this line of thought or friends except you now. Maybe it's just a Punjabi thing. You know, maybe. I think it's something to be said that everyone thinks that all Indians are the same. <laughs> we're, we're really not. But why? I also don't understand that. I mean, sorry, I just want to make it very, very clear that it is obviously putting a lot of stress on you and your parents, you know, your first gen. There's so many things that we could talk about there that I could relate to with you in that, you know, being first gen as well. But if they don't trust banks, why are they just putting it in your bank account? I think that's a really good point. If you had to like dive into it, maybe it's that they don't mistrust banks. They actually just mistrust themselves using the bank. If they're like, oh, but our daughter won't screw us over. And so our daughter can act like a middleman between us and the bank. I think it's worth like understanding where your parents are coming from. A lot of people have been burnt by financial institutions. A lot of financial institutions have lied to people, especially people of color. They've been Examples in the US where there's been things like redlining, there's been things like banks. Banks in the US used to go to like areas or churches that were primarily African-American and sell them really bad mortgages that had really high interest rates. It's happened in New Zealand too. Yeah. Like with Indigenous and Pakeha. And so I can understand where they're coming from and I think it's too much to ask them like snap out of it you know, get a bank account, but you've got to worry about yourself. And I understand that too. And I, if I was in your shoes, I would just have a conversation with them and say, look, I would like to make a separate bank account for you. It can't be under my name because of like X, Y, Z reason and explain those reasons to them, you know, family, divorce. You could also make a trust if you have the means to, and you've got a spare like $2,000. Not everyone does, but maybe say, hey, it won't be in your name. It won't be in my name. Let's do a family trust, make a bank account for that trust, and we put it through the trust. Or if that's too complicated, I'll open up a bank account for you. I will be like a co-signer to it, or I'll have access to it, and your name is on it as well, and it's clearly labeled as your money. And let me be that middleman between you and the bank so you don't have to talk to them. But I promise you, we use the same bank as mine. We use the same setups as mine. If they're comfortable with their money in the bank through you, I think they might be comfortable with this stepping back or like more independence. Yeah. And I think if you explain all the benefits and also your worries, like if you're a first-gen immigrant, chances are if you're bringing up marriage, like in the event of a divorce, those are examples that they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like I don't want to burden you once you like are married because I think what they're perhaps not seeing is like all the admin that you have to do. Like if they need money, if they need money transferred, if they need to use your debit card, if they, so much of that is like time effort, energy. And these are things that they can do themselves and they're fully capable of doing themselves. I think their mistrust in banks are so valid. It's probably coming from lived experiences as well, not just like conspiracy theories on Facebook. Like they they probably have (laughs) different experiences that have made them feel this way. And so it's completely valid. It's just if they are comfortable with the idea that their money is in a bank, but just under your name, I think they'll be open to the idea when you explain the benefits. Just having it under their name, I think it's quite a cool conversation to have because it could open up, you know, future conversations about 
money and wealth and their retirement and just where they see themselves. So it's not going to be easy, but I think really understanding where they're coming from and acknowledging that off the bat before you try to have like this huge conversation with them is going to make them feel good. That's a huge burden to be placed on. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Yeah. One thing that's really helped me when I have been mistrusting or like unsure about which bank to choose for different things is banks will have like credit ratings and a credit rating for a bank. Sometimes they call different things in different countries, but it's kind of like a report card that a bank has and it tells you how likely it is that the bank is going to go under because for a lot of parents and grandparents, they have sometimes experienced like banks shutting down and closing and them losing their money. And so if you can show them like, hey, these are three different banks that we're dealing with. Let's say you're in the US and you're like, here's bank A, bank B and bank C. Bank A has a triple A credit rating. That means mom and dad, it's very unlikely that this bank is going to shut down. Bank B has like a B rating and bank C has a minus C rating. And if you show them the three options, they're going to be more likely to go, okay, well, there are different banks, some are good, some are bad, that validates their feelings and experiences and they realize that, yes, there's a mixture, but our daughter actually has evidence that she's done the work and she's found us one that we can trust because the credit ratings of them are quite high. I found that really helpful because when you start out and you're not sure what's going on, every bank looks great, all the marketing makes them all look good, but to have some like hardcore data as a data girl, makes me very happy. I don't think it is a good sign that I've just went and tried to look at my bank's credit rating and they're not even on the list. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much to this Money Confessions listener because now I'm I'm stressed. (laughs) Like it's a list of literally over 50 banks in North America and they're not here. But tell me why a few other Canadian banks are on here. Well, hey-ho, there you go. Do your research. I was wondering what you were typing as I was talking. I was like, you look concerned. (laughs) That's so funny. You know what? We're all learning. We're on a journey. And I'm glad that this episode helped because it makes me also think about the mistrust that like my parents have. And 
how I can help them. And when your parents get to a retirement age, you want them to be comfortable. You want to give them a helping hand. You want to show them the different things available. And there's also this power dynamic of like, you are their child. And you know, it's, it probably comes across a bit condescending if you're like, Hey mom and dad, here's this money thing that you might already know or don't know. And I'm like telling you what to do with your money, but you're clearly a very kind daughter to be doing this for them. And like I said, I know it's not common in a lot of countries or ethnicities to be taking care of your parents' money, but a lot of us grow up, you know, being the people that would call on behalf of our parents because our parents couldn't speak good English. A lot of us would be the people that would would be like nine years old and would be Googling like local plumber because our parents would be like, hey, can you just do this? I'm not really sure how to. And so it's sweet that they trust you. It's sweet that you're doing this for them. And it's just about finding a balance where you can continue to make them feel like they've got someone in their corner, but also protecting yourself and, and protecting their money in the future by not having it all under your name. Yeah. Bless. So I feel like this is a really good place to wrap up this episode. Now, if you have a money confession or a hot take that you want us to help you with, just send us a DM, email us at hello at girlsatinvest.com and you may just be featured in next week's episode. Until next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.